Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached. When I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom, I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 389, the Trappers Seminar with Alan Probst from the 2022 NWTF Convention in Nashville, and I am your co-host, but this week I'm your host. I'm riding solo this week, just like Jason Derulo. So Cameron is on his big annual turkey hunting trip with his brothers and his friend Andrew. And so they are a little out of pocket right now, hopefully slaying some turkeys. And maybe we'll get some good audio from some of those hunts to play for you guys in upcoming shows. But this week, you've got me just like old school turkey hunter podcast I am so low. So right now we are 17 days, 22 hours, 4 minutes and 11 seconds from the end of spring turkey season in Alabama. It's a sad day just around the corner. I'll be probably very hard to understand for quite a period of time because my bottom lip is going to be poked out so far that you won't be able to understand anything I'm saying. But we still have 17 days, so I'm hanging in there. 
going to give it my all this last 17 days and see if we can make some magic happen. So like I said in the intro, we have a seminar about trapping with Alan Probst from the National Trappers Association. And so let's get into that and I will see you guys on the other side. I've made a show Appreciate Y'all it. Y'all give him a big hand. Thank you. Everybody enjoying the show so far? It's a lot to see out there. I'm going to pass these around. This is, uh, I'm going to send one on each side, just send it around. We'll get it at the end. This is a dupe dog proof. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the workings of that. Um, as Cuz said, the nestrator issue, now don't get me wrong, I'm not going to sit here and say that if you trap your land, you're going to have a thousand turkeys tomorrow. There's other things that go into that, obviously, habitat, uh, terrain, all those different things. But if you have the habitat and you own your piece of property or a deer lease or hunting lease or something like that, this dog proof will allow you to really take some pressure off of those ground nesting birds. And it's not just turkeys, as Cuz said, it's quail, it's pheasant, it's duck, it's all those different things. The studies that they've done, they've done studies in Wisconsin, Texas, uh, Missouri. Missouri's really big right now on, uh, actually Missouri, just if any, anybody here from Missouri? No, Missouri just extended their trapping season a full month in session to allow people to go out there and trap some more to take some of these nestrators out of their equation before the season to take that pressure off. 
There is setters for these. I still have strong enough hands to set them, but the setters are very easy. Use the ground as a fulcrum. You can get a five-year-old kid to set this. But all you're really doing to set this trap is you're pulling back on this, and it creates a place where they're going to reach down in. It's a cylinder, okay? The trigger's down here in the bottom. It's about an inch, inch and a quarter up from the bottom, which only is going to allow those raccoons, possums, and skunks, your three highest-rated nest raiders, with their tangible fingers, get down in there and pull the trigger. You can set this around barns, farms, houses. You're not going to catch your dogs. They don't have the tangible fingers. So this is not only a device that you can use out in the field, but you can use it where you, you know, going to have those nest raiders a lot of times on your property, working around your house and things. But when you set this, you're just pulling back on the lever, the trigger comes down, and you're getting it in the notch at the bottom. And once you do that, the trap is set. It's that easy. There are a lot of different things on YouTube. You're going to, if you typed in dog-proof coon set, you're going to have people filling this thing to the top with bait. You do not need to do that. One, you're using too much bait. But two, if you put these in the ground, when I put one of these in the ground, once that bait's in there and I put my trailing scent on it, I leave it alone. If it rains, it snows, it doesn't matter to me because they're still going to smell that down there and they're going to reach in and have to come under that trigger the first time. If you fill it to the top and you're using dog food, anybody ever see soggy dog food? It kind of just disintegrates. Well, if a coon comes in or a possum or a skunk and they taste it, I'm like, well, that's stale and mushy, they'll run on. But they never get to taste it the first time if you keep it down. So you're not only saving yourself money, that's just one little tip or trick. But these studies that they've done in Missouri and all these other places, they put game cameras on them. There was one study, I can't remember where it was, they found 104 ground nesting bird nests in that early spring. They put cameras on them. How many do you think out of those 104 nests were not predated on? Anybody have a guess? How many do you think? Four. Four. That's a good guess. The actual number is zero. Not one nest made it out of 104. Now that's a property that wasn't trapped and things of that nature. So they also found in these studies that each raccoon, possum, skunk, nestrator is going to average one and a half to two nest predations every brooding season. So with that, if you take, if let's say you have a 100 acre uh, parcel of property or you're on a lease, 3,000 acres, and you go in there with your buddies and you go after them hard. Say you take 40 off, maybe 50. You just saved yourself 75 to 100 ground nesting bird nests. Now, as I said, we're talking and, you know, that we're broad brushing here. It's not all turkeys, but a large majority of those are turkeys. There's another gentleman, Billy Barnett, who emailed me. Uh, he asked me if I wanted to uh, use the stuff he had for my TV show. We are going to use this on an episode. He found a turkey nest, put cameras on this nest. Third or fourth day, a possum come in. The mother hen fought the possum off. Possum came back the very next day, fought the possum off. A coyote found her the fifth or sixth night. Not only did he kill the nest and eat all the eggs, he actually took the plus one with him because the mother hen will not leave the nest a lot of times. She will defend that to her death. 
So if you can take some of these nestorators and work into the coyotes and things, you are going to help your turkey population. You see a lot of study up nest predators, but you don't see a whole lot of or like coyotes and bobcats or anything like that. There's not, not much stuff about that. I mean, no, we're going to actually cover that. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Duke 550, and I'm going to give you a place. We actually, at North America Trapper, my company, we just did a beginner series on YouTube. If you go to YouTube, we're about part 11 or part 12. We take you from step by step. We show you trap prep. We talk about baits. Well, numbers. I mean, like, you, for instance, you see studies that say 9 out of 10 eggs that get eaten by. by oh, yeah, yeah. But you don't see that many studies. No, I understand that. Coyotes, coyotes and bobcats don't do a lot of nest raiding, but when they find one, it's gone. Your nest raiders are going to be your raccoons, possums, and skunks. The only time that you're going to have the coyote or the the bobcat also, sometimes they're, they're really fascinating critters as well. They'll watch a hen in the field and they'll watch where she goes in and they'll track her sometimes. But there's also a lot more raccoons and a lot more possums and a lot more skunks than there are coyotes in an area. So you're going to actually... Uh, it's, it would be tough to actually have that stuff, but you don't see a lot of that. There are a few out there where this guy had sent me the stuff. You can see that it happens, so it really doesn't matter. If you're trapping your land, you do want to incorporate the coyote if you, if you move up to that. But the one cool thing about this DP is, is I could take a kid, six, eight years old, show him how to do it, and he's going to be able to do that for life. But getting back to your property, if you have 100 acres or 500 acres or, as I said, a big lease, I don't want you to take the misconception or I'm trying to say that it's easy where if you go out and catch 30 or 40 nest raiders that you're going to see turkeys, you know, all over for the rest of time. It's an ongoing effort. It's no different than habitat. It's no different than a controlled burn. It's no different than, you know, a food source. You know, if you are looking to have the turkeys or the grouse or whatever you want on your property, it's a concerted, continued effort. You have to do it year in, year out. I get asked sometimes when's the best time to do it. Any time is good to do it because you're getting them out of that population. But if you're really going to concentrate on a certain time, you want to pound that month, month and a half leading into that brooding season. But as you can see, it's not hard to set. You're pulling back on that, getting that trigger down, and it gets in that notch. And if I didn't have these gloves on, my fingers are so big they're cumbersome sometimes. That's actually set already. And they're going to reach down in there, pull that trigger, and they're there the next morning. Now, I also want to go one step further. When you are trapping, it's, we are as trappers, and I deal with it on a daily basis. I've put myself in the public eye. I'm aware of it. I deal with it. But we are the low-hanging fruit, okay? Trappers are the easiest target for any anti-organization out there. They've, they've started their onslaught. Trapping's been voted out in New Mexico within the last year. California's been a while. Colorado's been a while. I can give you an instance. Massachusetts outlawed uh, beaver trapping and some devices to use for that back in the early 2000s. Within three years, it turned into a 65 to $70 million taxpayer issue. They're still trapping beavers now. They're still taking the beavers out of the equation, but they're paying a government person to go do it, and you're not using that renewable resource. 
One of the things we have to do when you're a trapper, you need to be the steward of your own land. You need to put a good foot forward because we are the low-hanging fruit. This trap also has three different swivel devices. Chain swivel, mid swivel, and end swivel. When you catch an animal in this, it's full rotation. They can rotate, roll, and you're not going to hurt them. It's a good device uh, that actually is something that when you go to maybe the lease that you have, if this is a deer lease, but they, say you have a lease, a turkey or deer lease, and you go to that landowner and say, you know, we actually want to do some trapping, you could show them these devices and they're not going to have any problem with you doing that. Moving on to the, the coyote, which you can, is there any questions on the DPs or anything first? Yes, sir. Anchoring them, you can do uh, anchoring a lot of different ways, and that's another thing that's a good question because make sure you anchor your trap properly. I use a ground town, which is uh, like a disposable stake. I use those in most instances. You can actually take a cable extension around a tree. Um, just make sure you have a big enough tree because coons are notorious. They, they're clawing and they'll bite, and you don't want them running around with some jewelry. But you can use rebar. That's one thing with raccoons. Also, you can literally take a piece of rebar, pound it through the end in. Coons don't pull up. They always pull to the side. There's been times we've used rebar in some situations. You go in, you can actually reach down and pull that stake out of the ground with just your two fingers because they've got that whole, like, almost like a churn butter. <laughs> they've created a, a round thing that you could literally take. If they knew to just go, whoop, they could pull right out, but they pull to the side. They're always pulling to the side. So rebar, uh, cable extension, uh, disposable stake, any of those will work for you. That's that's a good thing too. You can the, dealing with the, your bait and stuff. You can put a, a soup can. A lot of people use the the white just styrofoam small coffee cups. People put golf balls on them. That actually acts as an eye attractant too. You will have some mice issues sometimes. It'll get down in there and eat your bait. But more often than not. I don't do that. That's just one more thing. When I'm moving along, I don't want to have to take that time. Plus, uh, the bait that we make and use that we offer, it's crawfish soaked, so that essence is really coming out of there. Um, but that is something that you can do. Uh, the golf ball uh, will keep the mice out, but if the raccoon or something comes by, they just knock it off to work the trap. Somebody else had a... Is much difference on the push-pull, like the Z-trap or the... Or the uh, I don't like push-pull. He actually asked about, uh, there's, uh, we'll, we'll cover that real quick. He asked about other traps on the market. There are other, other versions on the market. As I said, I use the Duke DP. I like the Duke DP. It's only a pull trigger system. There's ones on the market that allow a push-pull. They don't have that notch that that keeps it from going down. So when something goes in, they can actually set the trap off going in versus pulling out. I don't like that because if you do have a small dog, if you do have a cat or something that's going down in there and they hit that trigger going in, you're going to catch them. Then you got to deal with that and let them out. But when you have a pull trigger system, 99 million out of 100 million times, you're only going to have those three nest because nothing is going to be setting that trigger off. Yes. 
Uh, sir, currently due to traffic, is there a best way to dispatch a skunk to prevent it from spraying? That's a good question. I should have covered that yesterday and didn't cover it until the man came to my booth and asked the question. I probably would have forgot today without you mentioning that. When you put a skunk down, the best way, now I was also, I'm going to give two parts to this. I was asked, what do you put your critter down? I like to efficiently and effectively and humanely take and kill all the animals. I have used for as long as I can remember, so I caught the fever in seven years old. I've been trapping since I was seven. I caught the fever probably a lot earlier than that, but my dad would never let me trap with him and my grandfather. I, had, I was seven when I finally got to set. 22 short. I don't like using a long. You don't need it. 22 short does less damage to the hide. I got less blood when I'm skinning them out. What I'm going to now, though, I actually, you know, through the years, I've had the opportunity to film a lot of really good trappers and see a lot of really unique ideas and things. A pellet rifle. The pellet rifle is working fantastically. If you tap them in the top of the dome, it takes them all out and it leaves just a little hole. There's very little blood. It's almost like one drop of blood or whatever. But the pellet rifle is what I'm going to. Getting to your question specifically with a skunk, do not tap them in the head though. That's the only one I don't tap in the head because that shock value, they spray. I don't want to deal with it. If you get them and you take your time, they do not spray unless they have to. So you take your time and you work around them and you shoot them just like a quartering away deer shot in the vitals with that very little pressure of that pellet or that 22 short. Most times they just hump up. They don't spray. But if you use a bigger gun, they will with the shock power. So quartering away as a deer in the vitals is the best way. And I will leave them for a day usually, just to let that dissipate a little bit. But that's a very good question uh, on that. Yes, sir? Fire ants are tough. Um, I don't have to deal with that too much in Pennsylvania. I do a little bit when I come south. You get down into North Carolina, Mississippi, those areas where you have that. Uh, I stay away from them. I don't put sets there. I, I, if you have fire ants everywhere, uh, the best thing is probably get where you're as close to water, where they're not, you know, going to be living right there on the water and, and find trails and stuff where they're working in and out of bottoms and things because uh, I don't want to deal with them either. My buddy, he stepped in a bunch of them last year. He said it was most miserable day he's had in a long time. But, uh, yeah, try and just stay away from them. But I don't have any specific i'm quite ignorant to how to deal with them in making sets other than just stay away from them was there anybody else i'm going to pass around two of these duke 550s and i'm going to actually talk about that as well this is the trap that we use predominantly when we're out there trapping canines and i'll go over some of the features on that if you if you are looking to get into canine trapping though the one thing i do want to say is don't psych yourself out. Don't think that it's something you can't do. There are very few things that I feel you, and, and this goes back to the YouTube thing again. You're going to see a lot of people tell you you got to do a lot of different things when it comes to canine trapping. I think there's really only one or two that are a necessity 
to make you successful. First and foremost, I think 99% of your problems as a canine trapper can be taken care of by just bedding your trap properly, okay? If you bed your trap properly and you make sure that that trap is in the ground and there's no movement, what I mean by that is once this is set, if the animal you know doesn't hit the pan exactly, if he steps on a lever or a jaw or the, the back or wherever, that when he steps here, the trap doesn't move on the other side. You have it packed tight to where it's in there and it's solid so if he does step there there's no movement there's no wiggle no wobble and then he still has the ability to work the set that's when you create diggers and you end up having issues from that point so take your time bed your trap properly and you solve pretty much every one of your issues that you're going to have when it comes to that I love this trap. It's center base swiveled. I love that versus uh, end base swivel. It's double base plated. It's got real thick jaws, holding power. Plus, it's offset where it's it's not grabbing the animal and cutting them. If you do catch a dog, or you do catch something in these, you can let them go. Me personally, I don't kill gray fox. They're, they're not worth anything. Yes, you can get a little value out of them, but they're so cool to me. They're miserable. They're aggressive. They're mean. I love them. But I will let them go. I caught four this year. Every one of them, their foot was fine. No cuts, no breakage, no nothing. I go up. I grab them right by the back of the neck. I let them out. Have a nice day, buddy. And we film them running away. And, and you can do that. I caught, I don't know what it is. I live, you know, I'm a Yankee. But I live in Pennsylvania. And I travel a lot of places in trap. And I just have not figured out, you got so many dogs running loose in the south. Like, I caught three dogs in Illinois. I caught two dogs in Missouri. It's like just dogs running everywhere. But this trap allows me to let them go unhurt unscathed so when you get it set though i'm going to set this in uh, the one last feature i love on this trap which you'll see here and i think you'll be able to hear it all now that's not ready to go but if you listen here you hear that click that's what's called a night latch and it's a groove and it clicks and it's flat and you can see that pan is flat, but as you can see here on the side, you see how thick those jaws are as well? I'm able to now, I'm able to get in there, pack dirt in around this trap to where that trap is bedded properly. And as I said, we don't want the animal coming in and stepping here and that popping up or stepping here and popping. Any wiggle wobble, that's what we want to keep away from. And you can pack this in and you'll see here, I always turn my face away from the trap. I was working on new traps about a year ago and I've always snapped a trap in front of my face and I had a metal shaving come up and take me in the under eyelid and it stuck right in my under eyelid. If it had been up a quarter of an inch, it went right through my eyeball. So remember, when you're dealing with these, turn your face away when you snap it. But that's just one little trip to hopefully keep everybody from maybe having an accident. But these traps, out of the box, come with this to this swivel right here. That's fine. That's all you need. I do add an extra little bit of chain and a third swivel and then attach our stake. 
because I'm tra I trapped eight states last year. This year I'm in six. But I trap a lot of different places where there's hay fields and high grass. And I want to make sure that when I catch something, that that trap rotates, swivels, and doesn't get bound up. So if this gets bound up here, it's still spinning, right? If it gets bound up here, it's still spinning. So I want to make sure I have that extra swivel point. And even if it gets bound up at the trap right there, it still spins. So that's why I have the third swivel. This is a fantastic piece of equipment. If you bed your trap properly, you solve 99% of your problems. When I make a set, it's what is a variation of a dirt hole. And if you go to YouTube, as I said, we have that beginner series, you'll see the exact set I make. It's what I call a step down. The reason I do a step down is it's about two or three inches below the surface of the surrounding ground. I like, because coyotes especially, are notorious for I don't know. I don't know if I like that. I don't want them. I don't care if they do that. But when they're going to mess around with my hole, they're going to make a commitment. And with my trap in that step down, I make them make a commitment. And when they make a commitment, they got momentum going into my trap. They're not able to tenderfoot down in to where my trap is. There is one downfall of the set that I make. If you have precipitation over an inch of rain or more, I'm literally going to go out there the next morning and I'm going to have nothing but beaver ponds. They're going to be completely underwater. But I know that's the case and I'm, I'm willing to deal with that because when I walk away from that set, I'm 100% confident. Uh, yesterday somebody asked about scents. When I put something in the hole, that's where it goes. I don't put my bait in the hole, my lure over here, squirt urine all around the set. I put my bait in the hole, my lure in the hole, and my urine in the hole. I want that focal point of that critter down in the hole where there's nothing else he's got his attention on. Um, I have a nasty habit. I chew Copenhagen constantly. I don't have one in right now. I'm already wigging out. <laughs> nasty. I go back to just start my filming in 2003, and I wish my father was here. He's the whole reason I do what I do, and he's salt of the earth and all that. But he's funny. He's finicky. He's, he's read the books back in the 60s where you make you cut triangle bed. You, you remember the illustrations? They give you, you got to cut a triangle to make your fox set. And you, you got to squirt your pee all over. And I think scent's all relative. If you have it in the hole and I dig a dirt, deep dirt hole, I want their nose buried right down in that hole and they're giving their momentum in. I go back and I, you know, I'm just starting out in the video stuff and bought my camera. I don't even know how to turn the camera on practically. But I go out and my dad films me making a set and I'm spitting all around and touching things. I'm touching the bait with my gloves and... And I said, all right, Dad, thanks, buddy, and you know, I'll see you tomorrow. He's like, I, I don't understand. You're never going to catch anything doing sets like that. So the next day I get up and I go check my traps, and I end up having a red fox in that set. He said, I'm not going to catch anything at. 
So I call him, and, and uh, long story short, he's like, oh, that's, I can't believe that. And he comes over to film, and he, he basically told me I caught the dumbest red fox in the, in the county. <laughs> now, with that being said, I've caught a lot of dumb critters, though. I've caught a lot of critters over my life since then, and they must all be dumb. I must be doing something right. I just happened to put them in the right place. In essence, really what it is, is sense all relative. I don't think... You could, I think you could actually wear a hazmat suit and go make a coyote set, and the coyote's still going to know you were there. There's going to be scent there. And whether a little bit of bait drops to the side or a little bit of lure maybe drops, that focal point down in the hole is where the majority of all my scent and, and attractant is. So that's where he's going to be focused. I make a tight set. I, I don't go, I got to be nine and two and all these different things. It's basically a little bowl. It's almost like if you could think of a cereal bowl and invert it down in the ground. That's about what I dig out for a bed. And then I get that trap down in there and I pack around. And as long as you bed your trap properly, have something down in the hole, and I'm never going to sit here and tell you, well, you need to buy our North American Trapper Mountain Man because you can't catch anything without that. You can get in any trapping book. Any one of those baits and lures in the back of that magazine is going to work for you. If you like this guy, support him. He's a small businessman. If you like this guy, support him. He's a small businessman. Any one of those baits and lures is going to attract those animals in. Um, it's, it's just something that once you have confidence, if you leave and you know that you bedded your trap properly and you have confidence, and, and, and that's the one thing that I'd like to instill in you. If you have confidence in your set and you make a set that you're like, man, I like the way that looks, I like the way I put that in, the next thing that you have to do to be successful is have patience. If you have patience and you let that set kind of, I call it marinate, if you let that set marinate in the ground and when you come and, and you see maybe, you know, skip the snow or whatever where a coyote come up and just kind of, uh, and he walked away, if you know in your, in your mind that that's a good set and it keeps you from putting more bait in the hole, more lure, because that's the worst thing you can do at that point, that coyote knows that's there. He didn't like something, maybe. Maybe he just didn't want to work it. But I guarantee you, the next day, two days, maybe three days, he's coming back, and he's going to work that set. But when he comes back, he needs to smell exactly what he smelled when he was there the first time. But if you load up with another lure, and you load up with more bait, he's going to know something's different. Now he's, now he's really on edge. But if you can just drive by and look out your window, or drive by on the 4x4, four four, not get out, and leave that alone, you're going to catch him over time. Been there for 10 days. I know people have had traps in the ground for upwards of 40 days, nothing around it other than running by it. 40th day, bam, they got him. You got to have patience. I know sometimes you're trying to get traps in and we got to pull because we have other life duties. But if you can put them in, seven to 10 days minimum is what I like when I'm setting for canines. But uh, the more you can wait and the more patient you'll be, the more successful you'll be. With the nest raider stuff, I equate it to basically if you want to take a kid fishing and you want him to have success the first time, 
Go out, get a bobber, throw a worm on a hook, catch a couple bluegills. He's going to catch some fish. That DP allows the same equivalent when it comes to trapping. Go out there, put them in the ground. You're going to have success. You're going to get a, a kid involved. He's going to enjoy that, and he's going to have that zest for the outdoors, that zest for the, the and I will take, and I know there's a lot of really, there's, dude, I'll tell you what, everybody that walks through that door down there, probably from the age of 10 on is a better turkey hunter than me. I am completely not a turkey hunter. Yeah, once in a while I've went, but I've never called a turkey in myself. I've never had that passion, but I've had the passion for trapping, and as good a turkey hunters as probably everybody in here is, it's hard to compete with the woodsmanship of, of somebody who's out there trapping. I love the, the whole aspect of trapping and what it teaches a young kid about animal habits. And if you can get a young kid involved, whether it is in turkey hunting or trapping, a combination, they're hooked for life. And you know, I was just talking to you know probably five or ten people in the last day. I just did nine days in Harrisburg at the NRA show, and now I'm here for three days at the NWTF show. They're two totally different animals. This is a family, man. This is like this, this is like a reunion, a party. This is a bunch of like-minded people. This is a fantastic opportunity to just be around a bunch of like-minded people. And I know the NWTF appreciates you coming. I appreciate the opportunity. And I, you know, give everybody a credit for trying to learn uh, things in trapping to help become the steward of your own land. Are there any other questions on any of this? Yes, sir. That's a great question. The fur market is pretty abysmal right now. Um, I, I haven't sold a fur in probably six or seven years. I've, I've made the choice a while ago to tan everything, and then I give that as gifts and giveaways. And, and I look at it as personal. If I'm giving somebody a really nice raccoon pelt that I caught, and they're going to appreciate that because it is a nice piece of decor or camp, you know, you hang it on your wall or whatever, it's a lot better than going to Walmart and spending 50 bucks. I'll spend the, I'll lose the five, 10 bucks I was going to make on it and I'll pay the extra 15 or 20 to get it tan and I give that as a gift and I feel that's more personal. So that's what I'm doing with the fur. Do I think the fur market's ever going to come back and be that boom that it was? I do not. I, I think we need to find other ways to use the value of the fur and, and because it is a renewable resource, but I like to give them as gifts after I get them tanned. Oh, what exactly do you use for bite, like for coyotes? Or Coyotes, uh, like I said, we're using what well, we we make a bait that's made out of uh, prairie dog, ground Angus, and ground poultry. A mix. It's a fresh bait. It's not a, a, a really smelly, 
nasty smelling bait. I like that. I like the freshness of it. There are other baits on the market. You can get them with skunk essence in them, which really work well in the winter because it's a good draw. Um, it's kind of what you want. Like I said, anybody in the back of those magazines is going to have bait that's going to be very successful for you in a lot of different situations. When it comes to raccoons, I like the scent that we use because we soak it in crawfish oil. And if you look at a DP, for all you people out there that have seen crawfish burls, when you get that set in the ground, it almost looks like a crawfish burrow where they barreled uh, down in. So I like the crawfish scent coming out of there. We do the little bit of sweet trailing scent into it. But you can use dog food. You can use cat food. You can use more people use marshmallows. It's, it's kind of what you want, how much you want to you know spend to do it. But um, when it comes to uh, canines indirectly, as the time goes on, gets into the later part of the year, you want to move towards like a gland lure or whatever because that's going to entice more reaction to work into your set as opposed to maybe uh, a strictly food base. But try different things and you'll be successful and you're at a young enough age that you're going you're gonna to actually learn a lot just doing things on your own that are going to be working for you when you're out there. Yes, sir. Catch them before you, the coyote comes by. <laughs> That's a good question. What I like to do in situations where I know I'm dealing with that, this works for you as well. If you make a really good canine set, or two sets, and that, if, if you find, that's one thing I will say, if you find an area good enough for one, pound two in. Because you're going to have coyotes running in pairs. You're going to get a double. You know, pound two. If you find the location, sign, good things like that, pound two in. But on the other side, like 10 yards, put a DP in. And on the other side of them, 10 yards, put a DP in. You have a chance to catch some of those nest raiders before they get in and ruin your good sets. That's the only way I know. I don't know of any other way to keep them out other than to try and catch them in the DPs before they get to your good sets to clog them up. Anybody else have any questions? Yes, sir. What are you doing to prep new traps? Prep new traps, I don't do anything on these out of the box. I don't even take the tags off. The first coon you catch is going to take tag off for you. <laughs> Once I catch some animals in these or send them up and whatever, I will boil them in logwood dye. That's all I do. Out of the box, these brand new ones, I will boil before they go in the ground to get the grease and, and, and the scent off. I do not wax my traps. I just don't. I keep them clean. I boil about three, four times a year. If I go somewhere and I set all my traps, when I get home, I boil. Actually, I said to Cuz, he was just boiling. I saw last week, and he's like, man, I just don't like to boil, which nobody really does. And I said, well, I got to boil all my traps in the back. He goes, I got a spot for you, and then I'm going to head to town. So, so I, will, I will boil the traps but I don't wax them. Uh, one thing I do want to touch on real quick, how are we as far, are we running out of time? One thing I want to touch on real quick, back, back to the bedding, the, the most important part of being a successful predator trapper, bed that trap properly. If you're gonna bed a trap, I feel you can bed the trap the best in the dirt that's there. One, it's the same scent. You're, you have no other things other than the dirt's there. Plus, it's got that little bit of moisture usually, and you bed that in the, in the ground. Now, when you have freezing conditions, the next best thing that I feel that I want to use to bed traps is going to be wax sand. 
followed by wax dirt, followed by peat moss. So I'm, I'm, I want to use the dirt that's there to bed, followed by wax sand, then wax dirt, and then peat moss. Buckwheat halls down from there, sawdust. I don't feel you can bed a trap properly, and you're really going to cost yourself. You're going to educate a lot of animals trying to do that. So bed your trap properly. If you can, use the dirt that's there. Second best to me, I feel I can get a trap bedded really good in wax sand. Just below that is wax dirt. And then in a pinch is uh, your peat moss. So, But I'm always available. All my social media, the company's social media is North American Trapper. Find us. I'm pretty much a one-man wrecking crew with the emails. I will email you personally. Just give me a day or two because I might be at a show or whatever. I will get back to you. And if you need anything or products or whatever, that's uh, NorthAmericanTrapper.com. I'm more happy to answer any questions that you have at any time. And feel free to reach out. And I wish you all uh, success as you move forward, you know, kind of through the trapping process. Uh, and become the stewards of your own land and, and help some of those native ground nesting bird populations give them a chance to thrive a little bit more. But I appreciate everybody coming. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, brother. Appreciate Alan's it. Alan's a good guy. <clears throat> the baby saw him out from Rack uh, Cattles this mountain. Man. He's got a great, he's got a great, great side. I got my two grandparents. Frank, you and Matt stand up for me. Both, both of them right there, one just turned 13, the other just turned 10, they have their own trap line. And when I say they have their own trap line, I mean they're picking the spots. Now these are coon buster traps, DP, setting them, doing them, checking them by themselves. That's pretty cool. And that's their favorite. Cranky was, uh, <clears throat> during deer season, he said, Papa, we're going to start trapping. I said, I like to wait till deer season, though. <laughs> he said, what's closing it today? <laughs> <laughs> Fine with me. I'm telling you. Let's do it. Alan's coming down. I've got 2,200 acres. He's owning at the mouth. Don't bring him. We're going to set some stuff out. And I'm posting more about it. i got a pretty big social media following. The first few trapping things I put out there, i got a couple of negative comments. You know, I don't like it. You're just not a conservation. You don't know what's good. But I'm telling you, there's nothing you can do to make a bigger difference for your turkeys. If you're into turkeys, I'm sure it helps other stuff too. But anyway, Alan's got a great website. I'm fixing to go down. We're having a little kids' unprofessional calling contest at the Mossy Oak Group at 1130. There's some good gifts down there. And you don't have to be a great caller. I'm not a great caller. I'm still in the business. Y'all come down and visit. Thank you for coming up here. Y'all go by Alan's booth. Your number is. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that and picked up some extra tips. And hey, there's some, I guess you would just say some personal questions and answers that were asked of Alan after the seminar. And I cut those out of the interview, you know, of the seminar that we play for the normal part of the show. And I'm going to throw those in the back of the show after the outro. So if you guys want to pick up a few extra little tips and some information about trapping you may want to listen in after the outro. I don't know. It's maybe five, four or five minutes of extra audio for you if you're interested. And if not, not a big deal. Hey, our favor of the week this week is the same as last week and the week before. Buy your Mossy Oak Turkey Conservation Stamps from the Mossy Oak website. So go to Google and look that up. Mossy Oak 
wild turkey conservation stamp and buy a stamp or 20. It's all going to benefit the wild turkey. And with that, I'm going to leave you guys for the week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week. Hey, just a quick heads up that I'm not going to promise you that the bonus audio is PG. So just keep that in mind if you got kids in the car. Yes, sir. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Oh, you got an online store? Yeah, okay. NorthAmericanTraveler.com. You stop by the booth. We got cards and stuff there for you. Where are you located? Uh, I'm up around Scranton, Wilkesbury. I grew up from uh, it's cranky. Uh, I grew up around uh, Williamsport in the central parts. Thank you, sir. Um, but I I live over in uh, the northeast corner now. Okay. Yep. I'm not there much. I won't sleep in my own bed till late March 30th. Yeah. But I'm Blue Morgan Town, so. Yeah. Okay. So you're not that far. No. No. Yeah. Oh, I love West Virginia, man. Oh, I love it. You got a lot of, uh, there's a guy down there, a good friends with Nick Biggs. I don't know if you've ever heard of Nick Biggs. Um, Biggs, Biggs Time Trapping, B-I-G-G-S. Um, How about Mike Murray? Uh, yeah, doesn't he own Murray's Outdoor yeah. Supplies? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know him that well. I just know that. I know he goes all over the country. Yeah, a lot of people in that region come down. They go to Mississippi and Louisiana and places like that. Trap some uh, leases and stuff for other, like, you know, he was talking about the Kroger guy. Those guys just pay people to come in and do it. They don't do it themselves. But but you can make a difference when you, when you, uh, make a concerted effort you take some of the nest raiders out of the population you will see an increase in well, the turkeys hey, we, i don't trap so i like to start in the southeast region director of the game commission oh okay messaging. i appreciate it i appreciate it yeah the i talked to uh, the, the girl yesterday okay uh, anyway <laughs> enjoyed it I cage traps you didn't uh you, I, too much work no no cage traps are easy um you can do those the reason i'm not bringing up the cage traps is, is Bill Duke's not bringing them into the country right now because of this problem we're having with the containers, yeah. and he's out. Okay. So I don't want to promote them and then have people be like, well, hey, you don't have work. Oh, the DPs because they're fast. The DPs are just, apart. they're just I can boom. Throw, I can throw, you can throw 50 of them in a bucket. In yeah. the back yeah. and go. And, and, you know, it doesn't take much to set them. It's quick, it's efficient, and if you've done it, what you have, you know how damn easy it is. It's like taking candy from a baby, man. That's crazy. Yeah, if you have something in there they want, they work those, boom. 
Yeah. Uh, now they do have some. They do have some dexterity, really good dexterity in their fingers. Sometimes they'll get in there and get you cleaned out. But you know what? Next time they come back, if you have time to leave them in the ground, you're going to be successful. Yeah. Armadillo. Thank you. Very much. So. Thank you. Good luck. I appreciate it. Armadillo. We do a lot of that. I was out with, uh, I don't know if you know who Brad Harris is. Brad was, Brad is, uh, he was with Realtree a while. He was the Loman game call spokesman back okay. when Loman was there. Okay. I was just out on his property hanging out with him uh, in Missouri, and they're starting to get the armadillos. He said, dude, you see them armadillos? He goes, you shoot every damn one of them. Oh, so, yeah. so I had that little 22 cricket, that little, <laughs> yeah, no, little exactly. four-power oh, scope yeah. one, and they're out in the middle of the field, and I... And it, I hit that one, and it didn't know where it was, and it started running straight at me like, oh, yeah. and I had never heard them like that. I said, like, "What the hell?" What's your theory on? So I'm in Georgia. Um, years and years ago, we used to have skunks. We don't have skunks. That could be a distemper or a rabies that came through. That might be that. Now, now you, 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 you probably over time will see them come back some. Yeah. yeah. That's a, how long ago has it been since you've been seeing them much? All right. So we, we, I've been on the property for this will be my 18th year, and we've trapped ever since I got there. And we, you know, first year we trapped box traps. We caught 700 animals mm-hmm. in three months. Mm-hmm. And we keep the numbers down. This is something you didn't say, but I'll tell you, at least in my experience, what, what people don't realize, and I'm in the quail deer business, is if you trap three or four years and you think you've got them, you knock them way back. They come back they with come such back. a vengeance yeah. in two years. You after. actually might have more. I think you do. Yeah. I did touch on that a little bit where I said you have to, con- don't you get do. me wrong, yeah, you, you have to continuously do this. But they do well, we, we almost come year. back. We, we supplement. We do all this They stuff almost come back to where you think, hell, there's more here now. What was I doing? I you got, it's, a, it's that concerted effort. Well, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. What's your name? It's very nice to meet you. Good to meet you, too. Thanks again, guys. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if you come down there. I'll come down and see you in the zoo. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's, it's great. Like I said, this is like a really an awesome. This is great for me. It's been almost like a little vacation. It's nice compared to Harrisburg. This is vacation. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, I have forty. I have three different booths, forty feet of space there. I got eight employees, and it's a nightmare trying to keep all that. Plus, going up and doing seminars. You got everybody here. You got here. I have my I have my right hand man here, Mark. Yeah, Mark Corey. Uh, you might know him. He pitched with the Pirates for a couple of years. Yeah. Mark Corey, right-handed pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he grew up in Austin, Cowdersport. Oh yeah. So he's a Pennsylvania guy too. Yeah, Austin is. Uh, yeah, you'll have to Austin stop over. Ben Steinmaker. Ben Steinmaker. No, uh, yeah. The, the Jerry treasure. Foster. And, uh, well, Jerry, but not the Tim Holtz. Okay. Tim Holtz lives in Austin. Okay. You'll have to uh, stop over, and I'll introduce you. I will. But I really um, appreciate the opportunity, That's and cool. if you if you need it next year, I'd be more than happy yeah. to. To I hope you guys be a part of this it. Is, like my wife, my rookie. I've been here 15 years. My rookie year, she, she didn't come. I said, "Honey, you're not going to see me." 
because I'm, I'm doing a lot of stuff. Like, you're gonna love it. She won't miss it. Yeah, she won't miss it. But no, I, I like I lighter. said, I would love to, you know, be a part of it. If 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 you need me, I would. Anything you guys need, I'll be more than happy to help you out. I didn't do very good, so I don't believe. I don't. I don't know what you're you're gonna get on that tape recorded device.